Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Withrow will rejoin the show next, or tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Assuming that Dan Dockage doesn't want to stay. And then we'll slide over stay and here forever. there we go. Dan Dockage in, a special guest host today. Glad everyone's uh, with us across the Outkick Network. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we appreciate you. You can watch the show live each day at Outkick.com. And hit us up on social, Outkick360. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Going rapid fire, then we have uh, SEC Mike, who's going to swing by. We'll discuss Georgia and the matchup for, against TCU, plus some of the other uh, finals across the Southeastern Conference in the postseason, and some big headlines from the weekend that include those programs. Let's start with though with Alabama and the way they showed up and took care of business in the uh, what was a not really not a competitive game. Kansas State goes into this, and at first, when this is announced, Dan, I'll go back to it. Like, I, I don't know who wants to be there and who doesn't anymore. But the fact that Bama, in a non-playoff year, they have Bryce Young and Will Anderson playing in this game and not deciding, hey, I don't want to risk the injury. I'm not going to worry about the insurance policy, which I know the university gave them, the program gave them. Instead, I'm going to go get ready for the draft and ensure that I, I'm one step closer to my second contract, not my first, right? Like it's especially at quarterback and pass rush and where they're going to go, which is top 10, top five overall. But here's Nick Saban on the importance of what those players did and what it means moving forward. And this is courtesy of DSports24. I think these guys sent a message to everybody that you create value for yourself by playing football. You don't create value for yourself by opting out and getting ready for the draft. What are you going to get ready for? The combine? Half of the stuff you do at the combine isn't relative to football. But what you play against, once you play against good competition, you play well, that creates value. And I think it speaks volumes of your character. When you choose to be a part of your team, and you can be counted on to be a part of your team, regardless of the circumstances, and you finish the season with your team. And Saban goes, you know, he... I think they're all great points. And here's the other key thing here. You create value for yourself by playing football. I think it's more and more difficult to find players that love football nowadays. Because if they're in love with the individual concept of it, and if they don't like it, peace. It's not the team anymore. And this I thought he's dead on with when it comes to the value of both of these guys. Because if you pair them for a tiebreaker scenario for me between this guy and the, another guy who opted out and you have the evaluation grade exactly the same. I'm taking the guy that wanted to play. Let me play devil's advocate. Do you think there's anything in the NIL for those guys where they get paid? If oh, they sure. don't play, they don't get paid? Sure. I mean, I, I, I agree with what Saban's saying. I, I completely do. I don't necessarily agree – um, that you're getting ready for what? The combine. Uh, I think the combine becomes important. I think we've seen that. I, 
and there are some guys maybe that need to get ready for the combine. I, 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 I'm so cynical right now, though. Jonathan was like, all right, I get it. Yeah, you're right. But did he get an extra 300000 for playing? Or did he get an extra? Well, you I, know, mean, I, 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 I know. hope it's more than that if he played. I mean, the, the insurance policy. Game? Yes. I mean, because it, what he, he's going to get a signing bonus of $12 million All right. So let's say let's just – you're not going to get $12 million for playing in that game. So let's, to your point, let's say it's a million for playing in the game. Then it's not so noble. Let me put yeah, it to you I, that I don't, I don't think it was a million dollars for playing in the Sugar Bowl. That's what I'm saying. So what, what did he get? Three, I said 300000 and, and, and you said you, I, made, you thought it was I, too little. I, 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 to me, it's not worth to put the, the injury on the line for $300,000 for I, a top uh, number one overall pick at QB. Yeah. But first-round picks in the NFL, so, it's fully so guaranteed on that first deal because of what Saban's talking about. And you just don't see it. It's rare. That's why it's a it's a headline because the other guys who are opting out, they're not getting crushed for it. But it's surprising in a year where Alabama's always playing for a title, right? When they're not, and it's just a game where you don't even want to look at the Sugar Bowl trophy post game. So that these guys play. All right. So you're saying they're playing for the love, but that three hundred thousand is too little. I haven't heard a number at all. I haven't either. I, I, but it's got to be much higher to reach what they're putting at risk. And I realize they've got the insurance policy, but the, the these guys, yeah. the top no, five no. picks are going to get paid two, maybe three times over what people are projecting them as in April with the draft because the guys get paid in the NFL in their second contract, not their first, really. Right. And if you cash in and you get the, you know, the fifth-year option and who knows where we're headed with fully guaranteed deals, especially at quarterback. I'm not putting that at risk and and thinking, well, not only could I fall out of a, a top 10 selection, maybe I go to a, a spot where you know I'm out of the first round potentially, depending on whatever it could be. See, I always said this, players want to play. Like, players want to play. But I would say this about the NFL. Yesterday I'm watching the Pittsburgh and – Ray, Ravens game. Yeah. It's one of my favorite games because I think those two teams have the best cultures, like historically top I, to second. I agree with you. There was a play late where a – I think it was a running back. It might have been Najee Harris, but I, maybe it was a wide receiver. Actually didn't step out of bounds. He actually cut back inside, even though he was going to get hit, and gained seven more yards. One of the things that, to your point, and maybe I'm totally wrong about this – one of the things that tells me guys don't like to play football, not literally like a love and an intense desire to be great, is how many guys just step out of bounds. And I'm not talking about stepping out of bounds from me to this desk. I'm talking about stepping out of bounds from me to that wall where I can go get yeah, six right. more yards. You know, And if a guy misses a tackle, I might break that thing. But so many guys, wide receivers in particular, step out of bounds. So I watch and I go, how much are you really invested in playing or are you making business? How many business decisions do you talk about during the course of a game? So I think it was great. The cynic in me says they played because they got extra cash. Who knows? But I do think it was great, and I don't think Saban's wrong. I think, I think we talked about it earlier with quarterbacks moving up that aren't playing, that are thrown with headsets on, and, and it doesn't work out. Play and play well. The virtual reality headset. Oh, honestly, God, I'm, I'm, I sat there and I watched. <laughs> who was it? Somebody threw a 60-yard pass and they had a pair of headphones on. And it's like, oh, what a great pass. And I'm like, what are you talking oh, about? Are you, are, you, are you, hang on, are you talking about uh, Milton with the orange? No, no, no. He threw it 100 yards yeah, with okay. the orange. It was one of my favorite things ever. No, this was a guy in a, in a draft thing last year. And he, oh. he dropped back and he's got, you know, the white beats on. Yeah. And, 
And, oh, my God, what a great throw. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> a high school kid could throw that throw with that, with those sleeves and uh, freaking headsets. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I'd take Bryce Young tomorrow with the call. I'd take him right now. I think it'd be great. Will Anderson, too. I wouldn't mind him either. Will Anderson, too. Um, so, you're watching Giants-Colts yesterday, right? Yeah. Kayvon Thibodeau <laughs> doing a, a snow angel on the turf right next to the injured Nick Foles. What was your reaction in real time? My real-time reaction was, I bet he didn't see Nick Foles. I didn't see Nick Foles. I saw him doing it. And then my reaction was, once I saw it, I'm like, why ain't anybody in the Colts knock the hell out of him? Why ain't anybody defend their quarterback? Why? And I don't think it's – look, in my world, Foles walked off. All right, if I may go on a little bit mm-hmm. of a thing here. Guy gets a sprained ankle now in the NFL, the entire team comes onto the field, kneels down, and as they cart him off with his sprained ankle, they got to kiss him and tell him how much <laughs> we love you. Like, shut up, get off the field. We got 80,000 people here watching a football game, and we're worried about your dumb with a sprain. Get off the field. So Foles walked off. He, he got the wind knocked out of him. All right, what, what? So I didn't mind any of it. If you don't want him to do snow angels, block somebody. And at the end of the day, if you're that mad about it, why didn't Ryan Kelly or Quentin Nelson or somebody? That's that's where yeah, I am on don't it. Knock where, where's the offensive line right. taking up for their guy? Nowhere. It was the, the lo- it was among the longest slow- snow angels I've ever seen. Though. <laughs> it was ten. Was I it ten? Yeah, he went ten, which is tiring when you're older. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It fits he Thibodeau's personality too. Last year at the Super Bowl, that guy was. Uh, he thought he was the number one pick, not just for this past year, but the you know the all decade Forever. team. Yeah, yeah. Future. Yeah. He already was sizing up his uh, Canton jersey. And maybe that's why he dropped a little bit. But he's talented. He didn't drop dude. much though. I know, but he's a talented dude, man. He's um, getting after. He's one of the reasons why the Giants are where they are right now. And I think in the po- in I think Aiden Hutchinson's one of the reasons why the Lions are where they are. That kid's good too. Uh, one of the reasons the Commanders are out of the postseason is Ron Rivera's decision to play Carson Wentz, but. Post game, here's Ron Rivera, and he doesn't. It doesn't sound like he knew that the Commanders could be eliminated in a matter of hours based on results from the late afternoon kickoffs in the NFL. To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at four o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration? We can be eliminated. Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, then you guys are eliminated. So he clearly doesn't know no. the, the scenario. No. Now, he tried to clarify <laughs> and save face a bit with uh, a, a, a quote that he put out, and I'm paraphrasing this, where he says, well, I knew playoff scenarios, but we're only factoring the winning scenarios because I'm not looking and discussing or thinking about losing in any matchup. Um, that's fine, but you have to know what happens based on the result of your game paired with results of others, especially when you decide to make the quarterback change that you did, putting Carson Wentz in against Taylor Heineke, and albeit they hadn't been winning games, Heineke was not the true issue, though. Heineke has allowed them to be in the position they're in. And Wentz played like Carson Wentz. I was looking right here at 16 to 28, 143 yards. That doesn't do it justice. He was terrible. And three interceptions. He's Carson Wentz. It's what, you know, Carson Wentz, he's like so attractive to everybody. 
you know, the Colts were going to go all in and made a big deal, and then, yeah. you know, they get rid of him, and man, oh, man, here is Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz is uh, – he, he gets a start in the biggest game of the year. Hey, would you open that door? That's my wife there. Oh, by all means. <laughs> she here to pick you up for your mani Patty. She's later? got a dog, though. She's just hanging out. Oh, good. But would you start Carson – I mean, he hasn't played – he hasn't been good when he has played. Yep. And I don't know. I I got to believe, Jonathan, I got to believe Rivera knew this was a big game. Even though he didn't know the elimination part, he had to know this was a must-win game. Well, they're right there on the front. They're right. the seventh seed going in. So, yes. You had to know. Um, the Browns trailed. Browns won this game. Browns trailed 7-3 to three at halftime. It was an awful first half for Deshaun Watson in the offense. But then they came back out in the second half and scored on three consecutive drives. Big drives. They end up winning 24-10. Um, and, I mean, the, the highlight of the game for, for Washington was this 21-play, 94-yard drive where they get Wentz scoring on fourth and goal on the 21st play of the, in the first half of their – Touchdown. I mean, that, that was it. They, they got nothing, and Wentz was just awful. Three picks, passer rating of 31.4, and you got to be better than that. If, if you're going to discuss scenarios, you've got to know that if you lose, there's a chance by the time that you, uh, you know, get home, turn the TV on, or begin to prep for Week 18, that you may not be prepping for anything beyond that. Carson Wentz. My wife and I went to dinner when Carson Wentz first got here. And we happened to look in there, and there's Carson Wentz and his wife. And we didn't talk to him. We didn't say anything. But he, you could tell he's one of the nicest guys. And then the church that we go to, yeah. the, 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 the preacher, whatever you call him, he's, he <laughs> interviews Carson. I went to Catholic school. He's always a priest. And so now that we go to this Christian church, I don't know what the hell you call a guy, but he's good. So we go. But Wentz is in there, and they interview him as one of the services, and he's just the greatest dude ever. And, you know, and I'm standing outside, and he's, he's taking his kids into the daycare for the church, and you just want to root like crazy for the guy. But I don't know if he has PTSD because everybody goes back to when he was, at, what, 17? He was going to be the MVP, and then Foles comes in. But he has been terrible. like In, in the moments, the big moments. Yes, and it's not like – everybody gets in love with talent, right? Everybody sees the talent. He can run. He can throw. He's a great guy. He studies. He does all those things. But when you can't play in the moment, you can't play in the moment. And and nobody – in college basketball, you want to save a guy. A talent always wins out. I'm the guy. I can make you who you're supposed to be. And it feels like that's what everybody does with Carson Wentz. I'm the guy. Ron, I'm the guy. Our, our staff will teach him. But when it's not there, it's not there. Well, and it's like there was. What do you think the locker room reaction was when they learned that Carson Wentz was coming that. back to play? I, I, now, now he had been out with that finger issue, right? And they kept him out an extra week. I think he came off IR December seventeenth, and they kept him out an extra what week and a half to play him in this game. But I, Rivera players said he, no. Rivera said he wanted a spark, and I'm thinking Heineke's the reason why you're in playoff contention, not I, the other way around. Jonathan. Players Absolutely know. No. They know. You can BS everybody. You can BS all the bloggers. You can BS us. You can BS the writers. You can BS the national media. You can BS everybody, but you're not being BSing the guys 
in that locker room. Now, there are some guys that are like, hey, that's my buddy, whatever. But the deep down, they know who can play. They know who can't play. They know who's, who's big in big moments. They know who, man, we can't rely on them. They know, because you know what? One of the things about every sport now, you're together so much. Like, you know, you know, we talked earlier about the look in the kicker's eyes for Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. Man, they know that on the practice field. Yeah, posture. They know every, And I got to imagine, and just watching Tyler Haneke, when they did that Kirk Cousins thing, remember they did a kind of a ripoff of Cousins when he put the chains on? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. And see, like, I remember looking at that going, man, everybody really likes this dude. And you're right. They, they you know. I'm not going to say, you know, that old Jay-Z song, they had 99 problems and, and Heineke wasn't one. He, he, he was, you know, he's not, again, he's not Kenny well, Stabler, but. It's like Zach Wilson was benched. They put Strebler in because Mike White wasn't cleared. And the players around him played better. There was more energy right. to the offense because Wilson was on the sideline. Players, if you, when you lose the respect, and I imagine a quarterback, I was never a quarterback, but if I, I imagine a quarterback, you lose the respect of your locker room. It's not going to be overt. Guys aren't going to walk up to you That's and right. slap you. Or hit, but but there's an internal deal with leadership. And when you don't have that, man, it brings everybody down. And when you do have that, like you just said, it, you can raise people up. And I, I don't know. I don't know. And let me ask you. You followed this better than anybody. At what point would you ever think in his career Carson Wentz has been a spark? Like, Foles oh, was a spark when he went out. 2017. Maybe. You know? But when he went out, they still played great. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But he was playing well. He was playing well. When he got, that's the last time you true. I felt like that's a guy that can run an offense consistently well and win, win big games. Yeah. You know? And since then, it's just. 2017 is a long time ago. Extremely predictable. I know. It's dog years. And, you know, we know what the Colts gave up for him. Uh, and then Washington bailed them out and gave them what two yeah. second round second picks rounders, or something. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and and paid his money. We're gonna fix him. Yeah, we're gonna fix him. All right. Well, you know there are some guys you get rid. There's of. a lot of things that need to be fixed in Washington, and I wouldn't even start with uh, <laughs> with Wentz on that. But man, oh man, I was gonna say the Redskins, the Commanders are an important part of the, the community. And <laughs> I, if I were sitting in the locker room, I would have to really, really believe in Ron Rivera to believe in Carson Wentz because he's shown you nothing in his time even when he played to start yeah. the year I really have to believe like Ron Rivera is the the word he's the word that's it for me to believe in Carson Wentz because there's no chance as a player coming up we recap the weekend. Big headlines discussion where programs are going and the perception of some, especially some of the top teams in the SEC from this year. Tennessee, for instance, what they did to Clemson. We'll discuss Georgia and what was an epic college football playoff in both matchups from this past Saturday night. SEC Mike about to join us. Michael Bratton next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
From 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Outkick 360. Happy New Year to you. In for Withrow, Dan Dockett. You can catch him again tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock Eastern. Don't at me. Nope. Uh, Withrow not happy. He tweeted out, USC is charming soft. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Right. Uh, Tulane taking them down. Yeah. SEC Mike joins us. Time to recap what was a fantastic college football playoff and some other great performances across the Southeastern Conference as well. Michael Bratton with us on Outkick 360. Mike, how are you, man? Hey, doing great. Happy New Year's to you guys. And uh, it's a really great New Year's over here after what Georgia and, and Mississippi State and LSU just got done doing. Oh, oh, let's start with Georgia. Let's start with the... The, the great weekend that was these semifinal matchups. That Ohio State, the last time we really saw Georgia test, I realized they trailed Missouri and they had to come back. But it was the SEC championship game against Bama, you know, where you had the quarterback play, big plays, explosive plays that went for scores. Ohio State was doing that until they were not doing that. What, what did Georgia figure out after a slow offensive start compared to what we saw from the Buckeyes? Well, it starts with knocking out uh, their best receiver after they're they're already down to uh, their other great receiver, and that's that's no slight to Georgia. I mean, C.J. Stroud, I I thought he was a little overrated, but certainly in this game, I think he proved that uh, he was worthy of all the hype. Making a basically their their offense in the fourth quarter was C.J. Stroud running with the ball, something that he was either on. Un- unable or unwilling to do most of the season. So I think that caught Georgia a little bit off guard, but I think it was that clutch factor. Stetson Bennett, you you mentioned, you know, not really being tested much. They were tested in that national championship game. Alabama sure. had a lead late, late in that ball game. Stetson had a huge mistake turnover. Alabama scores. You naturally given that series, you think Alabama's going to close it out, but no, it was Georgia. It was Stetson connecting with AD Mitchell, ironically, last season that won the championship and it won them this game here, which it certainly, I don't know about you guys, but it felt like Georgia won the national championship this last weekend. Yeah. I mean, I know many have that same sentiment. If, if Ohio state would have won as well. Um, Mike, the, the story of Stetson Bennett, you know, 25 years old, sixth year, former walk on leaves, nearly goes to, to Louisiana Lafayette, and decides, oh, I'll, I'll take the scholarship offer all of a sudden to go back to, to the team I grew up loving. He, he, he was dreaming of playing at Sanford Stadium, and now he has the opportunity not just to break the national championship streak, but to go back-to-back. What's at stake for the story of Stetson Bennett? I mean, he's 41-year drought, John. We got to remember that. So I don't think there's anything on the line for Stetson Bennett other than uh, you know, when his statue outside of Sanford Stadium, right. whenever they put that up here in the in the years to come, is it going to say one national championship or two? I, I think his legacy is cemented, particularly after that epic cup comeback. I mean, the biggest comeback in, in I know it's only nine years of college football playoff, but the biggest comeback in the playoff history. I mean, he's done everything asked of him. And I just chuckle because all these people think, you know, hate Stetson if you question him and all this. Kirby Smart was questioning him. I mean, he's the one that brought in JT Daniels. He's the one that brought in Jamie Newman. Uh, I'm not really even 
We hear of JT Daniels only because he transfers about every six months, but I can't recall the last time I heard the name Jamie Newman. They brought him in to start over Stetson Bennett. So it wasn't just, you know, non-Georgia people doubting Stetson. It was his own head coach. So, I mean, just a, a remarkable, remarkable story. It, this like puts to shame Rudy. Rudy came in there and made a tackle. <laughs> Stetson Bennett, I mean, I don't, I don't think he deserved to be there at the Heisman ceremony, but Maybe he did, based on uh, the way he played against Ohio State in that fourth quarter. Dan, there's a, there's easily a movie here. There's a huge. Correct me if I'm wrong, but but didn't Kirby Smart want Caleb Williams to come in this year? Absolutely, he did, and that's another thing they don't want to talk about. Um, God forbid, imagine this Georgia offense with Caleb. I mean, I think it would be a little <laughs> bit better, but that doesn't take away anything from what Stetson uh, has accomplished here. But. You know, maybe if he goes out here and lays an egg against TCU, I could kind of get to your point. Maybe that hurts his legacy, but no. I don't see any no. chance that happens. Yeah, I, I just don't see it either. I want to. I want to ask you though, when you you study the SEC, you watch these guys every week. I watch the Big Ten, and I got to tell you, TCU to me um, was tougher, more physical when the tough plays needed to happen around the goal line or. Michigan was making a run. TCU had every answer, and you know it was run, the running game. It was toughness. It was getting holes. How does TCU, in your mind, look physically when you think about who Georgia has had to play all year? Well, I mean, I would totally disagree with you because that was the narrative going in. Michigan is just going to pound them to death, and it, and they did it the first play of the game. Right. It looked like, well, they, it was. This is how it's going to play out, but. I would also say, you know, how often do you, does a team get two pick six touchdowns and nearly loses the game? I mean, I can't remember that ever happening. So that and some of the officiating, I, I hate to blame officiating, particularly early in the game, but I thought Michigan was robbed the touchdown. Maybe that changes the game a little bit. But, yeah, to your point, TCU certainly looked like they had a chip on their shoulder, had something to prove and wanted to prove that their 3-3-5 defense was not a finesse defense. And it's certainly Mississippi State runs a similar defense, and it certainly is not a finesse defense. But again, <laughs> I think it's only natural. We're going to question, can they do that against Georgia, which is even more talented and even more imposing than Michigan? But if they do it, man, hats off to them. I, I anticipate they're going to get down early, but that is essentially where TCU's been all season long. So I don't know if it's going to phase them if they're down early. I I kind of early as early, but I like TCU on the points in the national championship game. Michael Bratton, our guest, host of that SEC podcast. SEC Mike is where you can follow him as well. Uh, so we're having a discussion as the games are playing out. The Big Ten had two cracks at this uh, with the, the national championship and a chance, really many thought, two cracks to knock out Georgia in the SEC. Uh, 0 for 2 to begin. And it's, uh, you know, you, you start looking at the programs and what they had an opportunity to do versus the dominance of what we've seen across the Southeastern Conference, Mike, not just this year, I'm saying just in the history of the playoff itself. What do you think of when you compare the two? Well, the Big Ten broke a record, Jonathan, over the weekend. First conference to go 0-2 in a single day in a college football playoff. So we got to hand it to them. We got to send a trophy up there or something. But, yeah, I mean – <laughs> I kid, but you know, to me that that really is a more or less a two 
two-team conference. Yeah, and, I and I know they we say that against SEC, yet here we got Tennessee rises up. We got LSU rises up from time to time. I mean, the SEC at the bottom, yeah, Vanderbilt and, and some of these, Auburn was god-awful this year. But I just think the depth overall of the SEC, it's just it's clear as day. Just look at the draft. Just look at recruiting. Now, that's you can't solely go off recruiting, but when you got uh, 10 teams in the top 20 of the recruiting rankings, uh, there's no surprise that the SEC dominates year in and year out. You mentioned the Vols. They win 31-14 over Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Clemson ran 57 plays in Tennessee territory. They had 101 total plays. That's the most they've had since 2012 against NC State. But in that game, they put up 62 points, and they came up with 14 against Tennessee. What did the Vols do to shut down the Clemson offense that they couldn't do against South Carolina? Well, before I answer that, my, my question after watching that, I mean, did Dabo even prepare his offense for this game or was he busy flipping them burgers like he yeah. said Tennessee was doing? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, going into that matchup, Clemson was a top five uh, red zone scoring offense in the country. And they it was just a debacle every time down there. I mean, the, the, the worst one, of course, was at the end of the first half. Uh, the freshman quarterback, it seemed like, you know, just low awareness there takes a takes a hit. Uh, doesn't get a first down, the clock runs out. And, I mean, that was basically the story of the game. Tennessee pay, played a bend but don't break defense. And we got to hand it to them because, they, like you said, I mean, they, they were god-awful. I think it was nine of the first ten possessions South Carolina had. They scored a touchdown. And they, go, they turn around, they shut out Vanderbilt. You know, no one's going to give you any respect for that. But when you turn around and you more or less shut down Clemson, which is – all I all we had to hear was about this running back, Will Shipley, like he was God's gift of running back. They held him to 72 yards, I think it was. And he's an all-American caliber, according to the broadcast, 20 times they had to say it. Tennessee answered the bell, and they did it without starting safety, their best safety. They did it without Jeremy Banks, most productive linebacker. Um, I think Tim Banks, he he takes a, a, a lot of uh, backlash from some of the fans, but I don't think just here's the best way to look at it. Look at what Georgia has. Look at what Alabama has, on, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, and compare it to Tennessee. Would Kirby Smart or Nick Saban take a single defender off Tennessee's roster? The answer is no. And The only one they wanted was Henry Toa Toa, and of course they took him. So when you look at it like that, Tennessee was able to hang with both of the two of the elite of the country. I think Tim Banks has done a, a fantastic job given the talent he has to work with, and each year, they're adding more and more talent on that defensive side of the ball. And we just saw without their star quarterback, without their star receiver, without their second best receiver, Tennessee didn't miss much of a beat against a top-notch defense. So, uh, you know, this is, like Josh Heupel says, this is only the beginning of uh, what his program can do. You know what I love about you, Mike? You have a great soft-spoken way of uh -huh. criticizing people at teams. That's <laughs> awesome. Like, let's give them a trophy. And you say it in such a way, like I have to say it like a big loud lummox, but you have a very smooth way of ripping them. Um, I am a big fan, maybe I'm the only one, of Brian Kelly. I think Brian Kelly is one of the great football coaches in the country. Um, Purdue, obviously, no coach, no quarterback. Okay, fine. But they do what they're supposed to do. Where is Brian Kelly in this whole mix? Got him to the championship game. Uh, but, you know, at some point, you got to become 
Georgia. You got to become Alabama. Where are they? Well, they're not far behind, Dan, and it's, it's a credit to Brian Kelly. Like you said, um, now that the, the season is winding down, we'll be breaking it down. I'm basically going to spend a, a single episode on every single team based on some advanced analytics that was just shared with me. And it is just remarkable the job that Brian Kelly managed to do in Bat Rouge in his debut season. He duct taped this thing together. He essentially had a top 30 offense uh to work with and the defense they have some highlights no doubt but they were missing some key personnel too it's when you look at these advanced numbers once we put them out there it's it's just mind-boggling how this team was able to navigate their way and you got to remember in the first game against florida state i mean for about three and a half quarters it was a train wreck um it's it just it, it can't be overstated the job he did in bat rouge getting and, and remember all offseason, we had to hear about Alabama, Alabama. This is the revenge tour. And Nick Saban, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, they're going to just going to tear through everybody. They, they didn't tear through many teams uh, in the SEC, at least. And they they nearly almost lost to Texas, which is uh, one of the – I've got the least respect probably for Sarkeesian <laughs> among any head coach at the Power Five level. So that gives you an indication of, I think, uh, the poor job Nick Saban did with his team and the outstanding job Brian Kelly did. If I'm sitting here and I'm an Alabama fan, I'm scared to death because if Jimbo Fisher ever puts it together, which is it's just debatable, uh -huh. but if they ever put it together, A&M, LSU, I mean, that that's, that's a heck of a one-two for Alabama to have to compete with year in and year out. Mike, what was your biggest takeaway from Mississippi State and how they handled the passing of, of Mike Leach with the, their play today and uh, winning 19-10 to 10 over Illinois? Just the defense yet again. I mean, we, we all get – this was before his passing, of course, but we, we all got you – know, you know, you, all, you focus on the quarterback play. You, you focus on that offense because it's been so prolific. But basically the last two years – the program, the strongest point has been Zach Arnett's defense. So I love to see that carry over with Zach now being the head coach. You just don't know how he's going to handle all those situations. Uh, I mean, I thought they were overall dominant against Illinois. And there were many possessions where they'd stop them and then they'd give up a first down due to penalty. And yet they'd have to stop them again. And time and time again, they answered the bell. Uh, I th just a tremendous job. They would not have won the Egg Bowl if not for Zach Arnett's defense. They made the play of the game. He is an incredible, incredible defensive mind. And, uh, you know, I hope for the best down there at Mississippi State. It's going to be fascinating to see what he does, who he picks to uh, essentially succeed Mike Leach as the offensive play caller down there because that's more or less is probably going to decide uh, how successful his run is down there in Starkville. And they got the, they were able to play that in the Raymond James Stadium too. So they had the great helmets, right. but also with the pirate chips that's in the end zone already with the Bucks. I thought that was very cool. Hey, you mentioned Texas A and M and Jimbo Fisher, man. What a difference a year makes. A year ago, right? Everybody, ah, look at the recruiting class. This is coming, and now it seems to have fallen apart. Has it fallen apart? Well, we should have known when, um, you know, eight and four was celebrated with a contract extension. Yeah, it, it has fallen apart, Dan. I mean, we're talking, I, I mentioned those uh, analytics I've got. Texas A&M hovering right around the number 100 offense in the country. I mean, this is just abysmal. And if he was anyone other than Jimbo Fisher with this contract, he, he would have been fired 
He should have been fired this year. I would have fired him right after the Appalachian State game. Of course, I don't got $85 million to hand out. But no, I mean, he's abysmal. He's been abysmal basically his entire career. He does less with more. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's a travesty. And I don't know how Texas and Texas A&M, two of the richest programs, two programs that should be, I I won't say dominating, that Texas should be dominating the Big 12. Texas A&M should be, be competing for the SEC basically if not every year, every other year, they're not even close to it. And I don't think they're going to be close to it as long as Jimbo Fisher's down there, unless he gets him an ace play caller. And if he does, what are we even doing with Jimbo down there as a head coach, uh, aside from paying him $95 million to recruit players that are going to transfer out in a year anyway? Michael Bratton has been our guest, SEC Mike. You can check out that SEC podcast. Plenty to come in that regard. Uh, Mike, always good to catch up, man. We appreciate the time, perspective. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the games tonight, and we look forward to the championship game. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Mike. Uh, look, a year, it, it is so amazing that Lou Holtz said it best. The team you have today is not the team you had yesterday and won't be the team you have tomorrow yeah. because everything changes. You think about a year ago. Wasn't Jimbo Fisher, weren't they at the forefront of recruiting and NIL? Greatest, the greatest – ranking but rating had, ever for a recruiting class yeah and they had done it in a modern way like you could complain maybe they bought sure. players but they did what they needed sure. to do to get and right. now man you know one thing it, it, it we talk about tcu and winning and you know they got to sprinkle this magic dust because of winning well when you lose the other way happens too now when you lose all of a sudden you don't you never lose solo Meaning, guys that complain are never by themselves. They always recruit. They always bring others into the mix because when you lose, everybody wants to point fingers at everyone but themselves, and you can always find buddies, man, and it becomes a terrible, terrible thing. And for Jimbo Fisher, when you start getting that, you lose in the respect and the media, and then all of a sudden – well, hey, look, I was the number one player in the country last year at corner. It ain't my fault. I'm not being coached. I'm not being. I'm getting out of here. It's a you never lose solo, man. You always hope oh, guys that are losers they find others. It's like cockroaches. They just they're just there, and that's what you're seeing at Texas A&M right now. You just are. Not we've seen two quarterbacks and two NFL teams playing tonight. They're not losing. I got two quarterbacks oh. that are alphas with Joe uh, Burrow and uh, what we're going to see with Josh Allen as well. And the number one seed is up for grabs. We'll give the scenario. We'll give our picks for tonight's matchup. There is some news with Tua Tagovailoa as well and his availability for Week 18. That and more straight ahead on Outkick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wrapping up a solid first show of the new year. Dan Dockich, catch him tomorrow morning. His second show of the new year. 
Don't at me. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Dude, uh, what a great studio. Thank you, the wife. You've got the, the dog. Got the dog here. Made it to Nashville. <laughs> I'm not dog guy. I love the fact that you went right over there, knelt down, and oh. gave love. I sit here and go, yeah, don't bark. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, don't bark. Yeah. Now, you've got a very well-behaved uh, mm. pet, though. Mama ain't no joke now. Mama, mama coached. How is she in the car? Unbel- you don't even know she's there. It's unbelievable. 12-hour drive yesterday, Lee. Didn't even know. She's in a cage. Mama has us all scared when we're in the car, man. We do whatever Lee wants, man. <laughs> Lee, Lee says, hey, get in the left lane. I get in the left lane. Get in the right lane. I'm in the right hey, lane. Hey, Lee, she will, she will not do any wrong with me because whenever I called you about being in today, you're like, uh, can you give me 24 hours? Sure. You called her, yeah. or you you hung up the phone and asked yeah. her, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then two minutes later, you're calling me back saying, "I'll be there. We're in." Well, we got to do. We got. No, I got no job. Well, I mean, <laughs> you do anything else? You go get a mani pedi. You know that Lee, I think needs to happen Thursday. <laughs> that is. A, I saw. Wait a second. I saw Haley put it out on uh, uh, Instagram. Petties for men. Have we got? Have we, we do we have a results? Do we have? Uh, are we going to wait for a while? I saw it, and I. What do you call it on Instagram? Reinstead. Retweeted, oh, re it's, it's just know. likes, I, I think. No, I sent it forward to my people. Oh, you forwarded. 80% are for it. Yeah. 80, oh, 80% for it. Eight, what did it say? I said yes or no. I said yes. So, oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a little bit jaded. 80% said get a petty man out there. I'm looking you right in the eye right here. I'm telling you. Go get yourself a pedicure. Thank me later. Uh, bring yourself a little bottle of wine in the wine. I don't know. Just hey, have a nice time. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to try this. You have to. You want to go together? I'll go with you. <laughs> I'll, hey, look, I, my answer is always yes. I'll go with the dog to get a pedicure. Um, you watch it. You'll be watching Bengals bills later. Uh, we're going to have it on in the car when I'm not driving. Yeah. We got to figure out how to do that. But yes, you got that going. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Some way there's going to be a storyline here because a, a Cincinnati loss that means the Week 18 Ravens-Bengals game is for the AFC North title. So you have the potential of Cincinnati going back on the road even for the first round of the postseason. But they can also work their way into knocking off some hopes and dreams of what Buffalo's trying to accomplish. So Buffalo is 8-2 and two against the AFC this year. When I watch Buffalo, I you know what I see? I, I see – you ever see those teams that just kind of know? They just – like, we're down 10. All right, we just – I remember what, – what was it? What, maybe it was Houston. Remember they had the Chiefs down like 24 to nothing oh, yeah. in the wild card game? Yep. And it was like, okay, well, here we go. I, I don't know that Buffalo's going to win the championship, but, man, do I feel like they just – you're going to have to beat us for the entire game. Whatever happened early doesn't matter. But Joe Burrow's on fire. I took I took the – the Bengals tonight. I mean, getting a point and a half. Last I checked, whenever I, I place my bet, outkick.com slash bet is where you can go. You can join us with DraftKings there. I'm taking Cincinnati outright there. So uh, maybe I'll be dead wrong tomorrow because we see Josh Allen, who has had multiple uh, games where he's had two or more interceptions. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow has 16 touchdown passes in the last six games combined. I'm just riding the, the hot hand of Cincinnati yeah. back at home. One thing we've seen is Josh Allen throwing interceptions in the red zone. 
Yeah. I mean, he's done that. That is that is a formula for disaster to see Michigan in the red zone uh, against TCU. But I'm with you. I think Joe Burrow's on fire. I, I like their offensive line now. They seem to have solidified things. Obviously, you know, Mixon and Chase, there's weapons. But, man, uh, that offensive line was a problem early. Oh, Mixon, by the way, he says – they, he says the Bengals are the big dog of the AFC, and quote for anything to happen, it has to go through us. Keep uh, in mind, right now everything goes through Buffalo, and there's a there's a bullseye for Mixon tonight. There's a way to make what Mixon said right. Yeah, you just win. win. You <laughs> I mean, win tonight. That's it. You can. That's what we're gonna do? Yeah. We're going to do that. And, if, and it is we because I have betted as well. So you and me. And I'm going to bet pedicure money. Sometimes okay. <laughs> I, bet, I bet DoorDash money. That's like either a house payment. But pedicure money, you know, by the time I take Lee, myself, Tegan, Laura, it's about 100 bucks. So we'll bet we'll bet pedicure money tonight. Uh, Mike McDaniel on Tua Tagovailoa says that he is not a – he's not factoring in Tua yeah. to the Week 18 plan against the Jets. However, uh, you will see – Teddy Bridgewater uh, within the plan this week as they get ready for week 18. It was, you know, a finger injury that knocked him out. And, I mean, uh, where, where are you two with major, Miami? Uh, I, I can't figure out if they were all, all, always fool's gold or if they have just been incredibly unlucky with the concussion protocol. Yeah. Look, I, I think that I have a saying, big possums walk late. And... Mm. In the NFL, man, you got to get good late. They have not been good late. No. They're, they're collapsed. They've collapsed They've the same collapsed. way the Titans have. No question. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for thank coming, you. man. It's a blast. Uh, we'll be you. watching Don't At Me tomorrow morning. Hope you'll join us as well tomorrow afternoon. Back at it with Robo. We'll be back from Nebraska. Well-rested, I'm sure. And mad about USC. 3 p.m. Eastern is when we start across the Outkick Network. Out 360.